So glad that you're here. Definitely want to shout out our social global family that's watching from around the world and all of our inmates who are watching on Pando right now. God's presence cannot be limited to a space or a building. Wherever you are, uh, he's got a word for you uh, today, and I'm ready to preach it. I'm going to preach it, and then we're going to go watch the Cowboys defeat these Jets. I prayed last week. You saw the prayers of the righteous. Availeth much. <laughs> so we got to keep praying, especially in playoff season. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. We'll look at what is perhaps one of my favorite passages of scripture, especially in the Gospels, Mark chapter 2, and I want to look at verses 1 through 12, the Gospel according to Mark, chapter number 2, and we'll read down to verse number 12. When you're ready to read it, say, I'm ready. If you're not ready and you need some time, say, hold up. Okay, I hear you, I hear you. Mark chapter 2, right after Matthew, there is Mark. If you're in Ephesians, you went too far. If you're in the Old Testament, you ain't been to church in a while. But there is no condemnation. It's all good. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left not even outside the door. It's his standing room only. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, Good night, y'all. That is just delicious. Do you know how much power is packed in that little phrase right there? When Jesus saw there, collect, when he, first of all, he saw faith. I thought faith was the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not. But Jesus said, I saw their faith. That means faith is not passive, it's active that I can actually see faith by what you are doing. Not just by you standing there going, my Lord, if it's supposed to happen, it'll just happen. <laughs> he saw their faith. And he said to the paralyzed man's son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law, also known as the haters, <laughs> were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I want to pause right there and just thank God that he doesn't just have power, he's got authority. He said, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Can you say amen? That is good stuff. What, what if you left Toyota Music Factory today saying, we ain't never seen anything like this? I want to preach today just for about two hours, using this as a title, more than what I came for more than what I came for. I need to let you know right at the onset of this message that your God has the ability to do more than what you came for. That ought to make at least 15 of you shout because I hope you came with some expectation for him to do something. But you need to know that he'll do more than what you came for. Come on, would you bow your heads? Let's pray before we go into this word. Father, thank you for your word. Speak today 
Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Look at the person next to you and say, neighbor, God will do more than what you came for. Look at the other neighbor that you completely ignored. <laughs> say, other neighbor, you my second option. But I need you to know, God can do more than what you came for. It's a preaching mentor of mine once told a story that I'll never forget. It's a story of a man who called up his doctor in a complete panic. He said, doc, I gotta see you now. He rushes to the doctor's office. The doctor immediately says, what's going on? What's wrong? The man immediately replied, everything. Doctor goes, everything? He said, yeah, doc, everything. He said, every single place in my body that I touch, I feel excruciating pain. The doctor goes, what do you mean every place in your body? He said, doc, every place in my body I touch, I have excruciating pain. Doc says, okay, touch your knee. Man touched his knee. Doc goes, wow. Said, uh, touch your elbow. Man touched his elbow. Doc goes, huh. Touch your hair. Man touched his hair. Doctor goes, dummy, you got a dislocated finger. Some of y'all get that tomorrow. I use that today not as an entree, but as an appetizer to tell you that sometimes in life, you can think there's something wrong with everything, when in actuality, there's just something wrong with one thing. And if you could get the one thing in order, how many know the one thing would take care of everything else? I, I came to tell somebody today that Jesus is concerned not with dealing with the surface level things in your life, but he actually wants to go deeper and deal with the one thing that is affecting everything else. What, what, what good is it? What good is it for you to get a raise on your job if you have so much insecurity in your soul that is making you to spend money you don't have on things you don't need to impress people you don't even like? What good is it for you to get a brand new house if you don't have peace in your mind in the first place? What good is it for you to get that spouse, that boo that you've been believing God for if you aren't whole and you don't like spending time with you? God wants to deal with the one thing that is affecting everything else. You need to understand today that Jesus did not come from heaven to earth, die on a cross, get up from the grave just so he can make your life look better. He is not a self-help coach. He is not a life coach. He's actually a savior. He is a savior. And if he is a savior, that means he wants to go deeper and deal with the things that are at the root of the issue. Just look at somebody next to you and say, go deeper. Now tell them, go deeper. Now, if you are social family, you understand those are two powerful words because we begin our year every single year as a church with some words that shape the course and the trajectory of our year. And we've been declaring that this is the year to go deeper, go deeper. We've been saying that a shallow world needs a deeper church. You got to go deeper. But what I felt incumbent upon me to share with you today is that if you are going to go deeper, Going deeper is going to require you to get connected to community. See, I knew it. I knew I wasn't going to get a whole lot of amens on that right there. You were right. You were right. You can't go deeper in isolation. Going deeper requires you to get in the context of community. You cannot go deeper alone. Can I tell you some of the most weird, scary Christians I have ever met? are the Christians who want to go deep, but want to do it alone. 
If you want to meet a weird believer, meet a believer that's like, I want to go deeper, but I don't need community. I don't need anybody, but you want to go deeper. Those are the weirdest Christians in the world. Those are the ones that are coming to you and say, I had a dream last night. I dreamed about Fruit Loops, which is crazy because I never dream about cereal. And I saw a bowl of Fruit Loops and there was no milk in the Fruit Loops. And I just feel like God is saying in the season, we need to just start pouring milk on everybody in the church because he wants to take us into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. The weirdest Christians you ever meet are the ones who want to go deep, but not plugged into a church, not plugged into a connect group, not plugged into a community. They always got some prophetic word to give you and they go deep but they're going alone you can't go deep alone you need somebody in your life say that's weird you need somebody in your life says that sounds crazy you need somebody in your life say don't wear that that's cute for yoga class probably not for church you need somebody in your life to tell you do you need a mint here no please take it you need community trying to go deep by yourself Some of the scariest believers I know are the ones that want to go deep, but they refuse to get in community and they stay in isolation. And the problem with being in isolation and trying to go deep is your life becomes an echo chamber. And you have nothing or nobody to bounce off the ideas that you have. And so everything that you say sounds good to you because if you say something to yourself long enough and strong enough, it will sound like it's right. I'll say that again. If you say something to yourself long enough and strong enough, that narrative will feel like it's right. But how many know just because you keep singing a song don't make the song right? Let me take my time in this here. Some of us are singing songs that ain't right. Like, uh, me, myself, and I, that's all I got in the end. That's what I found out, and it ain't no need to cry. I took a vow that from now on, I'm going to be my own best friend. Look at you singing it. <laughs> Dumbest song in the world. I ain't afraid of you, beehive. Dumb song. Me, myself, and I, that's all I got in the end? Ain't no need to go, I'm going to be my own best friend. Yeah, how is that working for you? Now, are you mad that I sang that? We do it in the church too. Church, remember that old school, old school, old school church song. I've been lied on, lied on, cheated, cheated, talked about and mistreated. I've been up, I've been down. To the ground, but uh, what is that? Long as I got King Jesus, long as I got King Jesus, long as I got King, don't need nobody else. Really? Long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. You don't need nobody? No wonder your life is falling apart. No wonder you think there's a problem with everybody else. Oh, they the problem. Oh, they the problem. Oh, I don't like that church. Oh, don't like that one either. Oh, they got an issue. Oh, they got an issue. Ah, oh, they got a problem. Ah, uh, maybe. If you got an ah with everybody, maybe it's not them. Maybe you got a dislocated finger. You cannot go against the way God created and designed you. He wired us for connection. He hardwired us for community. That's why we call social Dallas. <laughs> we are social beings. And every single one of us, hear me, there is a deep and earnest longing for belonging. You were created for community. All of us want to be deeply known and deeply loved. Because if I'm known, but I'm not loved, that is my deepest fear. But if I'm loved, but I'm not known, that is cheap synthetic and plastic but to be fully known and to be fully loved that is our deepest desire and God has so orchestrated humanity to need each other in the context of community I need people it can't just be me and King Jesus because what happens when the crowd is stopping me from getting to Jesus and I'm stuck where I am I'm gonna need four friends to carry me to him can I take my time is this blessing anybody in here today God himself is a community. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three uniquely in one. He is a community in and of himself. The only thing he looked at creation and said, it is not good. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. We are hardwired for community. I'll take it deeper. When this God who put on human skin and came to the earth, isn't it strange 
that when he began his rescue mission to turn the world upside down, I'm thinking if I'm the preeminent, preexistent, all-seeing, all-knowing, all-powerful God, I'm going to take on this by myself. Matter of fact, I'm the only one that got to go to the cross anyway. I'm thinking I'm rolling on the earth solo. Not this God. He chooses 12 dudes, community, to roll with him. 12 dudes who, in my opinion, are slowing down the mission. <laughs> but yet he says, y'all come on. <laughs> because even God himself needed the context of community. And in my text, Mark chapter 2, which is preceded by Mark chapter 1, he has come to the earth. He has picked out his crew, his community that is different from the crowd. The disciples are always different from the crowd. He has picked out the ones that he will do life with. And he's already been moving in power and doing miracles. And the word is spreading throughout the region. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 2, he comes to Capernaum, which is his hometown. It's where his ministry was headquartered. He was born in Bethlehem. He lived in Nazareth, but he headquartered his mission in Capernaum. And the Bible says that when Jesus gets to a certain house, we don't know whose house it was, whose some scholars think it was Peter's house. The Bible says when he gets to the house, he just gets to the house. He goes in the house. I don't know if he sat down to chillax, but he goes in the house. And here's what the text does not tell you. The text does not tell you the architecture of the homes during that time period. In that time period, the architecture of the homes was for community. They had an open courtyard and families didn't go away. You just built onto the house and it was an open courtyard, an open space. Doors would be open. You'd be walking through somebody's house and in the courtyard and say, hey, what up, Marianne? Hey, girl, I'm going to come in there real quick. It's not like today. You know how we do today. Let somebody show up unannounced today. <laughs> we got our doors shut. We got the gates locked. I thank God for the ring. Whoever invented the ring camera, God bless you. As soon as I hear that little alert, if I don't know who you are, I am inside. Uh, what you need? Who are you? Yeah, leave it on the porch. Yeah, no, Robert ain't here. This is in the time period of the Bible. The doors would be open. You could see and people would just come over and just walk in because they were all about community. They didn't have the individualistic ideologies that we have today, even in their architecture. So can you imagine this open house and they already saw him with that hair coming into Capernaum and all of a sudden they say, oh my goodness, can you believe it? He's here, he's here, he's here. No, he's going to Peter's house over there and before you know it, as people are peeking in, rumors start spreading throughout the region. You know, there are some good rumors. They start saying, hey Jesus, Jesus is in this house and before you know it, this entire entire house is jam-packed with people simply because the presence of God showed up in one house. Oh, I can use my imagination. I can see them packed in this house. People from different walks of life, people from different economic backgrounds, probably all converged in one place because the presence of the Lord came and rested in one house. Come on, the Bible is clear. There wasn't even room outside the door. They were jam-packed in that place like some of y'all were at the Drake concert the other night. Yeah, I saw your stories. They, they, they were jam-packed in there like some of y'all were at the Taylor Swift concert just waiting with expectation in the house because his presence came to rest in one place. What is it about the presence of God coming to rest in one house that causes people to be drawn from everywhere? I'll tell you what it is. People know that whenever his presence comes and rests in one place, how many know something life-changing, something supernatural, something powerful, something miraculous can happen? If you don't believe me, can I ask you a question? Why are you here today? I hope you didn't just come because you're single. And you heard all that, yeah, social, yeah, that's the church if you're trying to find the one. I hope you didn't just come to hear a worship team. I hope you didn't just come to hear a sermon. I hope and pray that the reason you got up on a Sunday morning, your only day off, put on that good shirt, all that Mary Kay and Mac makeup is because you knew that Jesus' presence would be resting in the Toyota Music Factory. And when his presence shows up, something is going to happen. Oh, can we take a little praise break in Toyota Music Factory? I need somebody to give God some praise like you know that when his presence shows up, chains can be broken. When his presence shows up, lives can be healed. That's the only thing we got. The only thing we got going for us is his presence. When we started this church two years ago, believe it or not, and if you would have looked at us two years ago when we were at Granada Theater and said, hey, you're going to be in Toyota Music Factory. I've been like, what are you smoking on? Ain't no way. 
And we've never prayed for God to send more people. But we've always prayed, God, let your presence fill every place that we step into. Because if his presence shows up, that is all that we need. I would rather have his presence with 10 people in the room than to have 10,000 people in the room. And you can't feel nothing but the air conditioning. I need his, that's the only thing I got going. His presence and I love it. Because Jesus is in this house and it's a standing room only and he hadn't even done anything. But just his presence caused an atmosphere of expectation. I think in the church we've gotten lost with all of our marketing. I'm not against any of it and all of our Instagram posts. And we think it's that. When the reality is if you want people to show up, get his presence in the room. I can use my exegetical imagination. I can see them in the house. I can see the sick, the sick people in the house talking about who if he touches me. If I just touch his clothes, I know I'm going to be made whole. I can see it. I can see practical things like a mama with a kid not even paying attention. Come on, he just on his little iPad playing. She's like, boy, pay attention. That's why you get in trouble at school because you don't listen. Sitting here on TikTok and you listen to Yeshua so you can get something. I can see it. I can see it. I can, I can even see some ladies in the house. Come on, Jesus was single. We forget that Jesus was single on the earth. Come on, single people. You're going to be all right. <laughs> But you know some ladies, I, I, you know some ladies when the house talking about, girl, Yeshua is fine. And he can cast out demons, I'm telling you right now. Don't let them holler. <laughs> can you see them? The religious scribes are in the house with their notepads and their papyrus. And I'm just waiting for him to say something out of context. Isn't it crazy? All the people that come with different motives and different agendas, all in one house. And they're all waiting, perhaps to see what he was going to do, because it had already been spread throughout the region that he's a miracle worker. But they should have been waiting to hear what he was going to say. Because as they're all packed in the house, waiting to see what he's going to do, Jesus stands up, packed house, <clears throat> clears his holy throat. The Bible says he preached the word to them. That'll make you shout. But that makes me shout. It makes me shout to know that in a packed place, his primary responsibility and his primary objective was to preach the word of God. Please don't get it twisted when you study your savior. Yes, he was a savior. Yes, he was a miracle worker. There's not enough pages in your Bible to note all the miracles that Jesus did when he was on the earth. He was even a carpenter. I think he was good with a hammer and some nails. But please understand that Jesus was a preacher of the word of God. He just preached the word to them. Isn't that crazy? In a crowd that's waiting to see a show and waiting to see a miracle, he's like, no, 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 no. Let me open up the book and preach the word of God to you. See, that don't make some of y'all shout because we're living in a day and age where a lot of people are standing behind pulpits, <laughs> but they're not preaching the word. <sighs> they're preaching their opinion. They're preaching cute self-help talk. They're preaching pop psychology. They're preaching their political ideology as if God was American. And they wonder why there's no transformation in the people that they're preaching to because the only thing that can transform your soul is the infallible, incorruptible, everlasting, eternal, immutable, irrefutable word of God. Oh, I don't know if it's your first time to social or if you're going to be coming for 50 years. But can I tell you one thing I'm going to do every time I stand behind this pulpit? I I'm going to preach the word. If it works for Jesus, it's going to work for me. I'm going to preach sound doctrine because the day is coming where people will not endure sound doctrine and they'll have itching ears and just want people to preach what they feel. But I got to preach the word of God. Give me the presence of God and the word of God and watch life change happen in people's lives because it's the only thing that has power. Ooh, he preached the word to them. You came for a miracle. I came to preach the kingdom. You came to see a show. I came to give you a word. I love people that will preach the word of God. Here's, here's how mature I've gotten. I, I don't even care your style and how you preach it. As long as you preach a sound doctrine, I'm with you. You know how some people get caught up in style. I pray our church is never that church. I pray that you lean in no matter the, the homiletical style of the preacher behind the pulpit because I love all of it. As long as you're preaching the word, I am with you. I like calm preachers that preach the word and just sit on a stool and say, well, hello. 
God is good in this church. Today, I just want to share a few things that are on my heart from the word of God. As long as you're preaching the word, sound doctrine, I am with you. If that's your style, you ain't got to yell. You can cheer. I like those preachers. I like preachers that get real excited that are preaching the word. They got a heaven B3 behind them. They got veins popping out of their neck. Sound like they hyperventilating behind each word. They ain't got no stool. If they got a stool, it's an illustration. They say, hey, Lord, this stool is every devil that's been in your way, blocking you from your purpose. Know that God can do exceedingly abundantly above. I said, above all you can ask or think. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to give them. I mean, I like those preachers too. I like it all. As long as you're preaching the word of God, sound doctrine. It's preaching the word. Do you have to understand in our text today? That like when I preach, or somebody else that stands behind a pulpit preaches, we just have a word. Jesus was the word. He was the word made flesh. That means if Jesus really wanted to preach, this is all he had to say. And he still would have been preaching because he was the word made flesh. So imagine what it would have been like to have been in that room that day. To listen to the living word, preaching the written word. I imagine that you could not hear a pin drop as the most profound and prolific prophet, the greatest orator of the gospel who was the word made flesh, began to open up the scriptures. I bet every single person was spellbound with tiptoe anticipation, hanging on every single word to see what is he going to say next. And yet, in the middle of his message, they all got distracted. They all got distracted. Because they're trying to pay attention to Jesus. All of a sudden they go. And they're trying to lean in. Because they don't want to be known as the, in the Bible as the person that was not paying attention to Jesus' message. So they're trying to listen. But they're like, is somebody on the roof? And before you know it, debris starts falling down in the middle of this house. And before you know it, holes start appearing in the roof. And before you know it, hands start appearing in the roof. And a ray of sunlight comes through the room as the hole gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Now understand, historians believe this is Peter's house. <laughs> they put in a hole in the disciple Peter's roof. <laughs> Okay, let me explain the disciples for some of y'all. They got different Enneagrams, okay? If, if, if you're gonna put a hole in a disciple's roof, put a hole in the disciple John's roof. You know John? You know, he's the one that's always laying his head on the chest of Jesus. Put a hole in his roof, okay? Because he'll just look up and say, oh, now I can see the stars. <laughs> then my creator has made... Not Peter, Peter like some of y'all, you love Jesus, but don't let somebody cut you off on the highway, okay? Peter's still working through a little bit, little bit of things and his temperament, and I can see that hole getting bigger and bigger. Peter's like, what the? And Jesus is like, calm down. I'll make you a new roof, Peter. It'll be all right. And look what they do. They lower this man, these four friends. These four friends lower this man down. Can I pause and go back to what it must have took for them to even get on that roof? Thank God for community because the crowd was the thing stopping them from getting him to Jesus. And yet his crew was the one that got him to Jesus. The crowd was the one stopping him from getting to Jesus and yet his crew was the one that got him to Jesus. I came to tell somebody, don't let people stop you from having an encounter with Jesus because God will use people to get you to Jesus. Don't let what church people did to you stop you from getting to Jesus because God will use some church people to help you get the breakthrough you need from Jesus. Say another way. God has a way of using the church to heal your church hurt. Find you some community. I'm not saying we're the best one. Find one. And those of you who are still looking for a perfect church, a perfect church, where everybody's perfect, when you find it, do me a favor, don't join it. 
because you'll mess it up. <laughs> it will cease to be perfect the moment people show up. And yet these four friends, look at how relentless they were. They said, yeah, we can't get to the door, but you know I'm about that life. Somebody get the corner. We're going to do what we got to do. And they, you know how it is to climb up a roof to get somebody in? This is what you need in your life in this season. Yes, you need community, but not just any kind of community. Make sure you get some tear the roof off community. Oh, God, give me some tear the roof off friends in this season. I don't need friends that see me on the ground. They're going to tell me, nah, the ground ain't that bad. It's okay. Matter of fact, let me go get another mat for you. Target got some on sale. No, give me somebody that's going to push me into purpose. Give me somebody that's going to say, nah, you got a call on your life. You got too much on you to be settling for mediocrity. I'll do whatever I got to do. If we got to tear off the roof, we'll tear off the roof. All I know, get that side. Oh, man, you've been eating cars. All I know is you cannot stay where you are. I don't want somebody to keep me where I am. Push me to another level of where God's called me to be. Call me up. Not to complacency. They tore the roof off. And how many know if you're preaching and somebody comes through a roof, yo, shut that sermon down. No, this, is, this ain't just a baby crying. This is a major interruption. And all of a sudden, they start lowering this dude down, 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 all the way at the feet of Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell us the man's name. It doesn't even let us know when the paralysis occurred. We don't know how long he's had this paralysis, but the culture would tell us that he probably thought and the people around him thought that his paralysis had something to do with his sin. His issue was his fault. I know you can't say anything in here because you're in church, but you'd be shocked at the people who have allowed their issue to become their identity. And so now you think you are no more than your mistakes and you are defined by a dysfunction. It's who you are now. And so you don't even tell your name before you say, oh, I struggle with anxiety. Because the issue has now become you. And you're walking around thinking that what you're going through or what you're facing is who you are. And God sent me to tell you today, if you don't get anything else, understand your issue is not your identity. You are more than your mistake. Stop defining yourself by a dysfunction. Oh, I'll take it further. Stop letting other people define you by what you did and what happened in your life. Humans are the only people that'll call you something for 15 years that you did one time in your past in five minutes and they think the sum total of your life is the mistake that you made. But I've got good news from heaven for somebody. How many are thankful that if you are in Christ, you're a brand new creature, your past has been washed away. I don't care what you heard about me. I know you've been texting about me, talking about me, blogging about me you know a whole lot about my history but you don't know anything about my destiny I choose to believe that God has greater in front of me than the mistakes of my past and they called him a paralytic man and here he is in the presence of God with his paralysis I know you can't say anything because isn't that what we do we come into church and we love to hide our paralysis we love to hide the areas in our life where we need help. Isn't it crazy? The church, the one place. We say, come one, come all. No matter your issue, come on in. And then people actually come in with their issues. And you're like, oh, not that issue. For real? And then you feel this pressure to start hiding what you're going through. And here he is in the presence of God, thinking his issue is his identity. And all in the room, they're waiting to see a miracle. Can you see the crowd? Come on, as soon as he hit the ground, they're like, oh, it's about to go down. Ooh, I'm telling y'all, Jesus has power. He's got power. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know if he's going to take mud and rub it on his legs. I don't know what he's going to do, but it's going to be good. Get your camera. Put this on YouTube. This is going to be good. Can you see the crowd excited? Because this is what they paid their ticket to see. It's been rumored throughout the region. He has supernatural power. And here's the man who had to be embarrassed 
to be lowered in the presence of all of these people. But all of a sudden, his embarrassment is gone with the feeling of hope because he knows for the first time in his life, he's going to be able to stand on his own two feet. For the first time in his life, he's going to be able to run. For the first time in his life, when he goes to a wedding and they do the cha-cha slide and they say, one hop this time, he's going to be able to do it. He's been waiting to do it. While the crowd is waiting to clap at a miracle and the man is waiting to dance, Classic Jesus, who's got the power to heal him. First thing he says, first thing he says, son, your sins are forgiven. What? What in the world is Jesus talking about? What does this man's sins have to do with his legs? Oh, come on. Y'all don't read the Bible how I read the Bible. When I read the Bible, I jump in the page of the Bible. I imagine what it would be like to be that individual. And that lets me know I would have got kicked out of the Bible. No, for real, right around Genesis chapter three. Because I have the tendency, y'all pray for me, when I am annoyed and frustrated, I got the tendency to be sarcastic, okay? Pray for me, okay, pray for me. I know it's not a fruit of the spirit, sarcasm isn't. But when I am annoyed, I have the tendency to be sarcastic. So if that's me, if that's me, and I've just been carried, carried up the side of a house, if I've been laying on a roof waiting for them to dig a hole in the roof, if I have been lowered into the presence of all of these people. And everybody up until this point has been saying, ooh, wait till you get to Jesus. He's a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is. Y'all so churchy. I mean, if that's me, I am excited. Wait and here we go. And the first thing, the first thing he says to me is, son, your sins are forgiven. I'm going, oh, Appreciate it, Jesus. You know, that's why we came all the way down here to get my sins forgiven. Yeah, that's the real obvious apparent issue to get my sins forgiven. Yeah, I don't need these legs. I don't want to walk. I came all the way down here to get my sins forgiven. Hey, guys, sins forgiven. Mission accomplished. Let's go home. What does Jesus talk about? Jesus seems to be the only ignoramus in the room. Who don't realize this man didn't come to get his sins forgiven? He wants to walk. What do you do when Jesus doesn't address the need that you think is obvious? What do you do when there is an issue in your life that you have been coming to him saying, God, this is the issue. If you do this, I'll be good. And he chooses to bypass that issue? See, the problem with us is we don't know what our problem is. We think we know what our problem is, but our deepest problem is that we don't know our problem. This man was expecting Jesus to say, my child, rise now. And Jesus chooses to go deeper and say, son, son, I want you to know that your issue is not your identity and that you're a son. And the only way you can be my son is if your sins are forgiven. This man didn't even know that Jesus did the miracle as soon as he said, your sins are forgiven. I'm convinced that most people don't even know when they've got the miracle because they don't know what their problem is. He said, son, your sins are forgiven because what good is it for you to have legs that are whole if your soul is broken? What good is it for me to do the miracle you want if you haven't gone deeper to see why you are going to that bottle every single night and why you keep sleeping with person after person and it's still not enough. God says, I got to go deeper to get to the issue. This man didn't even know what his problem was. Will, come play and make this sound spiritual as I land the plane. This man didn't even know, watch this, that if Jesus didn't say anything but your sins are forgiven 
and walk out the room and leave him on the floor, he still did a miracle. He still did a miracle. Because you are better off being paralyzed and forgiven than to be walking in sin. This isn't a popular message. This isn't a popular message because most people come to God about their legs. The thing that they need. The job. The spouse. The house. Can he do it? Absolutely. He was going to do it with this man. But we don't realize that our deepest need is not for our legs to walk or for us to have more money. Our deepest need is to be reconciled to a holy God and to be forgiven of our sin and to have relationship with him. Jesus knew if I heal your legs and I don't address your soul that needs forgiveness, you'll be walking, but you won't be whole. He's saying, I want to do both. I want to heal you from the inside out. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. And notice, as soon as he says, son, your sins are forgiven, that's when the attack came from the Pharisees. If he would have said, get up and walk, the Pharisees wouldn't have had a problem, unless it was the Sabbath. They always got something. But as soon as he said, your sins are forgiven, which was the root of the issue, not the fruit of the issue. When he got down to the root, here comes an attack, not verbally said, but said internally from the Pharisees. Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Can I tell you, the enemy does not mind you coming to church every single Sunday as long as you don't get to the root of their issues. The enemy don't mind you jumping and shouting and praising as long as you don't get down to the real issues in your life and root up that secret sin that you don't want to tell anybody. He is cool with you coming to church. But can I tell you, the moment you start uprooting all of those negative mindsets, the moment you start uprooting the things you've been walking in for years that you think is normal and it's not normal it's just dysfunction that you've called normal when you start uprooting those things get ready for hell to start attacking your life because the enemy knows that if God can get that thing from the root you won't just be up walking but you'll be walking whole you'll be walking confident you'll be walking full of the Holy Spirit you'll be walking and be a testimony to everybody that you walk into saying if you see these legs these legs are just proof positive of what he's done on the inside of me he has healed my mind and my soul he wants to go deeper and the Pharisees said Jesus is blaspheming who but God alone can forgive sin actually Pharisees you're blaspheming because you're calling Jesus a blasphemer and to call Jesus a blasphemer is to blaspheme. Give you a little hint so you can find out religious people. Religious people love to attack things in other people that's actually in them. That's why they can smell it. Because <laughs> they do it. Oh, I don't know about her. She's a gossip. No, you are. That's how you noticed it. <laughs> I don't know if she can be trusted. No, you can't be trusted. That's how you noticed it. <laughs> be careful what you point out in other people. Because <laughs> it's giving you blues clues as to what you Never mind. Who but God alone can forgive sins? That's who he was. He was God. So much God that he responded not to their words, but to their thoughts. They thought it. And he goes, why are you thinking these things? <laughs> Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat and walk so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Hold on, back up. Can we answer that question that Jesus asked? He said, which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? Which is easier? Hello? Which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? I used to think it was easier to say, your sins are forgiven. Because after all, if you say it, who gonna check? How do we know? I used to think it was easier 
Just say your sins are forgiven. And the real power is when you can look at somebody who is paralyzed and say, get up. That is the power. I used to think that the easy thing was saying, get up. But the more I thought about it, I said, wait a minute. That's not the easiest thing. Because Hebrews tells me that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. How many know for that man to be forgiven? Jesus is saying in Mark chapter 2, I'm already committed to you. He knew that in order for your legs to move and your soul to be healed, my body is going to have to be hung on the cross. In order for your sins to be forgiven and your sins to be forgiven and my sins to be forgiven, I'm going to have to die on a cross. It is so much harder to say your sins are forgiven because for your sins to be forgiven they're gonna have to beat me with the cat of nine tails they're gonna have to hang me high and stretch me wide but the reason I'm making a commitment is because I know that grave is not gonna hold me and I'm gonna get up from that grave but I'm not just getting up for me I'm taking the keys to death and to hell so that every single person that has ever been stuck Oh, I wish I had somebody in here that was just thankful that Jesus Christ paid the price for your sins. You want to shout about a car. You want to shout about a house. Anybody can give you a house and a car. I want to thank Jesus that he died and he bled for my sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Sorry, y'all excuse the energy you're getting today. I'm just sick of a superficial church that is shouting about all the external things and the things that don't matter, not knowing that the only thing will last is your soul, that you can gain the whole world, get the raise, get the car, get everything and lose your soul. And Jesus says, I refuse to allow you to be walking in sin when you can be walking forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. And he says, so you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin. Somebody say he's got authority. Oh, somebody give God praise if you're thankful he's got authority. Oh, I want to thank God that he's got authority. Not just power. He's got authority. Oh, there's a difference between power and authority. When you watch the Cowboys game today, you're going to see a bunch of linemen. They got power, but they don't really got the authority. If you want to see the ones at the football game that got the authority, look for the little ones that got the head on and got the stripes. They're the ones that got authority because they can look at one of those linemen, throw a flag and get them out of the game. And I want to thank Jesus because of the stripes that he bore on Calvary. Devil, you look big, but my God's got authority. So get out of my house. Get out of my family. I'm throwing a flag on the plane. He's got all authority in his hands. So you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I tell you, get up. Somebody say, get up. Somebody say it with your chest. Say, get up. Oh, I love it because he didn't even help him up. He said, anytime I'm going to do a six-week series on how you can get up. He said, no, I'm giving you a word. So you're going to have to respond to the word that you heard and just get up. I'm not giving you a hand. My word is enough. Because in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. All things were made by him. If I speak a word, as you walk in that word, it's going to materialize. Do what I told you and get up. Can you see him? He gets up, I imagine the entire place erupted, giving God praise because a man who was down has now been raised up. Thank God for the community. Thank God for the four friends who refused to allow the crowd to be a hindrance or an obstacle. And right when he said, get up, 
I'm confused because to me that should end the miracle. Get up, that's it. But you ever notice what Jesus says next? Super weird. He says, get up and take your mat. Excuse me? Why do I need to take my mat? If it was me, I'd be like, no, Jesus, I'm good. Let me go. No, 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 you're not good. Come back. Take your mat. Why do I got to carry my mat around? Because I don't want you to ever forget that you used to be down on the ground. I'm talking to some of y'all been saved for a while and you've been walking with the Lord for a while and now you got anointed amnesia of where you used to be and where you should be if it had not been for the grace of God. Don't you ever turn up your nose when a sinner comes to God. Don't you ever turn up your nose when you hear somebody's issue. Don't you forget your mat. Don't forget what God brought you through. Don't forget what God has brought you from. Your mat is your testimony. When the world sees you holding the thing you used to be laying on, it gives you an opportunity to tell them about the God that did it. Oh, I wonder how many times he was up in Starbucks telling, oh, let me tell you about this, Matt. Yeah, I'm the same guy. Let me tell you, oh, I had four crazy friends. I didn't even want to be in that connect group, but those four friends fought for me. They tore the roof off for me. They wouldn't let me stay on the ground. That's why I'm standing here today. Oh, it wasn't just Jesus. I had the community of faith that helped me get to him when I couldn't get to him myself. says take your mat and then I thought that would be enough the last commandment was go home what you think it's possible and plausible if Jesus told him to go home that he could have had a family you think it's plausible he could have had a wife and some kids I can see this dude walking to his house for the very first time This me. That's how you walk when you just got your legs. See him knocking on the door of his house. I can see his kids coming to the door going, Daddy, Daddy, you standing. Mama, come see. She in the kitchen cooking. Mama, come see. Dad's home. He, Mama, he's standing. She in the kitchen talking about, boy, stop making up them stories. You're making up stories at school. Your daddy is not out there. No, come see. Sees her husband standing there for the first time. In my imagination, no words come out of her mouth, but tears flood her face. And just maybe he looks at her and says, sweetheart, you can't even see the real miracle. The real miracle is not just that my legs have been healed, I'm so thankful for that, but the real miracle is the miracle you can't see. I am forgiven. He healed me from the inside out. Matter of fact, these legs are just proof positive that he did something deeper on the inside of me. I'm just walking forgiven. In other words, he told her the title of the message. I got more than what I came for. I thought I was coming for my legs. He disappointed me when he didn't address the legs first. <laughs> But right after the disappointment was a realization that I had the wrong expectations. I thought my legs were all I needed. I didn't know my soul needed to be forgiven. God will give you more than what you came for, but sometimes he has to disappoint you to make sure that you see what you really need. Sometimes it is the disappointment of your expectation that reveals who he is to you. Sometimes it's not until you get the bad doctor's report that he reveals he's a healer. Sometimes it's not until the person you thought you could trust stabs you in the back that he reveals, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I know you thought that they were your ticket to the next level, but I want to strip you down to the place where you realize that it's only me that you need, and if I start a thing, I will complete a thing, no matter who walked away or who betrayed you. But it starts with saying, God, I refuse to allow my life to stay at the surface. I give you permission to go deeper. I'm going to ask heads be bowed and eyes be closed today.
my vision for this next two Sundays is that somehow, some way, you will fight for community. Some of you, the greatest response you'll do is not to an altar call, it is to get out of your comfort zone and to find somebody, some healthy community in a connect group in this church. Hear me, that is gonna call you to hire. Some of you are trying, trying, and trying harder without a community that's helping you go higher. You have people that are content to see you on the ground in your life. And God's saying, you need to find a community of people who will call you up, who are willing to tear off the roof with prayer when you need it. This man would have never gotten the healing his soul needed if not for these four friends. And he would have never been forgiven if he didn't allow Jesus to seemingly disappoint him by not addressing the need that he thought was most obvious. He went deeper. I believe that God's speaking to people today to get past the surface and go deeper. And I want you to respond to that in just a moment. But I also believe that this is a call for somebody to make a decision to get connected in the house of God. One of the casualties of our church growing this fast and being this big, it is so easy to sneak in, sneak out, and not find community. But I'm challenging you through a connect group, through serving, through something, find a way to get connected. Some of you are going to have to do the hard work of disconnecting from people who are content to see you lay on your mat. And if you got to be a by yourself before you find the right community, I'm telling you, it's worth it than to stay on the ground. God wants to bring healing. And the way he set it up is healing comes not just from him, but from other people. So it heads about and eyes closed today. If you're in here today, you'd be so honest. Say, Pastor Robert, I know there's an area in my life that God is revealing that he wants to go deeper and deal with that. Maybe you've been complaining about everything on the peripheral and God, even as I was preaching, the Holy Spirit was showing you this is the issue. It's the bitterness. It's the unforgiveness that you've been holding that's at the root. You've been blaming other people that you've been lashing out on, but the reality is at the root is unforgiveness and anger that's in your heart. He wants to deal with that root issue. So with heads bowed and eyes closed today, if you'd be so honest to say, Pastor Robert, I know this is for me. And today I'm allowing God to do the surgery of going deep. Feshi, would you lift up your hand high enough and long enough to where I could see it? Wow, yeah. Hands are going up all over this place today. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you that your hands can be trusted. You are a great physician. Lord, even right now in your presence, would you uproot those things that are stopping us from being whole? Lord, I thank you that you've got the power to go back and deal with past trauma. And Lord, bring healing so we can walk forgiven. Father, I pray for my brother and sister that needs the strength to forgive. Would you open up their eyes to see how forgiven they are? And because you have forgiven them time and time and time again, Father, as forgiveness comes to us, it can flow through us. Yes, Lord, I thank you for that, that forgiveness will flow through us as we realize how forgiven we are. Anybody else? Lift it up. Put it right back down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Heads are still bowed. Eyes are still closed. I want to be real specific. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity. We serve a God whose legs and body and arms were pinned to a cross so that our life could have mobility. No matter what you've done, you can be forgiven today, not by your works, 
but by what he's already done. If that's you, would you just lift up your hands and say, I need to give Jesus my life today. I don't care if it's one person. Come on, thank you. I see those hands. Come on, social global family, right where you are. You can respond in your living room with that community that you're watching with. Just lift up your hand on the Pando app right there in that cell. God is speaking to you. Thank you, Jesus. I'm giving you my life. Hallelujah. Come on, I want us to all stand if we can. I want us to pray this prayer as one big family. Can we pray this prayer? We're all going to say it, but especially those of you who responded. Let's say this. Say, Jesus, I surrender. I give you all of me. Lord, I know it was my sin that put you on that cross. But you lived the life that I was supposed to live and you died the death that I was supposed to die and you got up from the grave so that I can get up Lord today I give you everything my heart my mind my soul from this moment forward I stand forgiven and I walk with a mat, a testimony of how you changed my life. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Come on, if you meant what you prayed, would you give God praise today? Oh, come on, you could do better than that. Can we give King Jesus some praise?